0: Blog Talk Radio.
1: Welcome back to another edition of the High Motion Podcast here on Block Talk Radio. And I'm your co-host, one half of the dynamic duo here, Von Alford here, for another edition of, I said, like I said, of the HMP. We're glad that you all can join us uh, for our second episode this week. So we've done, for the last two weeks, we've now done two episodes in two weeks. So I hope you all are enjoying it. Um, as I said before, as I say before, every ever, before every any podcast that we do. You can check them out on multiple platforms. First and foremost, you can check it out on here, blogtalkradio.com, backslash, Total Sports Live, or you can check it out on your smartphone. If you have an Apple device, iPhone, iPod, Touch, since they still make those, iPad, anything, i-something that you can hold in your hand at the device, just go to your podcast section, and from there, uh, search Total Sports Live, the TSL podcast we really appreciate it if you subscribe because if you subscribe, you get all our episodes from this past, from, from this season and from other years, or if you don't want to do that, leave us a review or leave us a rating. We really appreciate that. Um, as well. Um, also we're on Spotify from there. You can just search total sports, live TSL podcast, follow us on there. We really appreciate it if you, if you do that as well, if you don't want to use, if you don't want to use that, you can use Spotify. So there's all your resources on how you can, um, Check us out here on the interwebs. Also, make sure you follow me on Twitter at JoVon10 and follow Harrison on Twitter as well at Harry Brown Russo. And speaking of Harrison, we might as well bring him on to discuss another crazy Week 10 in the AFL season. Let's bring him on. Joining me, as always, is my co-host, none other than Harrison Brown of ArenaFan.com. Harrison, how are you doing?
0: JoVon, what's good, my dude? Chilling, man. Happy Fourth of July to you. Happy Fourth of July to everyone listening. Hope y'all are having some fun, man. Going to a barbecue. All that. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I I hope people are uh having uh, are having barbecues even though it's like really, really hot outside. So I hope that you're having a barbecue. That's true. But also staying cool. Uh staying cool at the same time, like Harrison said, you know, from us at the HMP. We send our happy Fourth of July out to all our listeners that will be listening to this today and for the next couple of days as we uh, look forward to a pretty quiet Week 11, but it was a pretty exciting Week 10. And, Harrison, let's start off talking about Week 10, talking about our town, our team, well, my team. our My team, technically, you have two teams, as we discussed earlier yeah, my in this team. podcast. Yeah, so Your teams, let's start <laughs> talking about this one in Philly that wears the blue, the soul, they pulled off the upset last weekend at the Wells Fargo Center, defeating the Albany Empire 54 to 43. I think this is for their third straight victory. Now the Soul have turned their season around. They are now six and four and have a shot to now take the number one seed in the uh, in the AFL. Great game on all three phases. Dan Rottleball, 231 yards, seven TDs, one INT. Darius Prince, three touchdowns seven receptions for 91 yards. B.J. Bunn with another solid game who's really stepping up in place of Adam at seven receptions for 71 yards and two TDs. Torres Jones and James Romain had an interception apiece. And on the other side, Tommy Grady, what a, what a, what a solid day, but not really. 19-33 for 255 passing yards, five TDs, two INTs. Malachi Jones with a huge game, 11 receptions for 171 yards and three TDs, but it wasn't enough. Uh, Like I said, Soul come away with the victory. You were down at the Wells Fargo Center, Harrison, um, on last Saturday. What was your biggest takeaway from this game in a must-win game pretty much for the Philadelphia Soul? Because they have shown that they can beat the Columbuses and the land cities of the world and, you know, beat Baltimore. But they haven't shown that they could beat neither Washington or Albany. And they proved that, hey, we're right up there in that same class with Albany.
0: Well, I think the biggest takeaway was that when the solar rolling and when, you know, everything is clicking for them and when things are firing on all cylinders, they're a very dangerous team and they can compete with anyone in the league. I mean, uh, it's a testament to the kind of the longevity, the group there has between the head coach with Dozzell, quarterback with Ball. They've worked together for a decade. Um, there's just a lot of pieces there. Neil Tivis, uh, Keith Newell has been with the team forever on the offensive line. There's just a lot of familiarity Um, the receiving core is rather new this year. Uh, Jordan Williams and B.J. Bunn are... Jordan Williams only played a little bit last year, and B.J. Bunn's a rookie. So those are basically both first-year guys. Prince has been around for a little bit, but even so, 2017 he joined the last few games of the season. Lonnie Outlaw's been around, so they're a little bit younger, but, I mean, the secondary's all been together. The defensive line has been pretty much around for a while. Sean Daniels has been on the team for a while, so... This group that the soul have is still soul football. And, I mean, they struggled out the gate. They came out three and four. and I mean, there was a little bit of skepticism. There was a little bit of, well, Washington and Baltimore might be better than Philly. But um, I feel like this game kind of proved that, I mean, overall, they still have the better roster, in my opinion. I think the soul are the second-best team in the league. Um, and they played really well against Albany. They, uh, like you said, created some turnovers on Tommy Grady, Romaine, and uh, Torres Jones with the interceptions, and then Sean Daniels was the first player in the AFL to sack Grady. Um, so, yeah, the defense really got after it. And when you're scoring seven touchdowns, seven touchdowns right now is pretty much – and that's a good number. If you're scoring seven, it looks like you're going to win um, this year. So, Dan Rodwell put up seven and so got the job done.
1: Yeah, and you're and you're right about that. And I think that was some of the you actually hit it, hit it, hit on two keys that I thought that was going to be huge in this game. Like you said, getting pressure on Tommy Grady and forcing him into turnovers, and trying to keep up and score with this Albany team because we saw the previous week Albany just escaped with a close uh, 63 to 61 63 to 61 victory over the Atlantic City Blackjacks, and then this week the Soul. They get the turnovers on Grady that the blackjacks couldn't get, and then they capitalize by getting by scoring and making sure that they're clicking. And like you said, like you said, you know, for as for, for where they have youth at in certain spots and you know, there's been a lot of changes on the offensive line and the defensive line and even at wide receiver, the core group has still kept this kept this team together and rolling and they look like they could be you know outside of the Atlantic City Blackjacks right now if they make if the Blackjacks make the playoffs the Seoul look like one of the more dangerous teams in 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 this playoff race.
0: Definitely. I mean I think it's going to be a good playoff race um just in general. I think there's five good teams in the league right now. So, I mean, you really can't go wrong with it, but for Philly, I mean, I really think that, you know, they need to come out hot um this week against Atlantic City uh and then Take that bye week, really rest up, get a few guys healthy, try to get a few guys back, and then they're gonna need a little bit of help in two weeks with uh with Columbus. Actually, it's Columbus versus Albany, so the one seed might not exactly be realistic because Albany's probably gonna handle their business against Columbus and clinch the one seed, but the Soul can get the two, and with the two, you still have that first round. You have the decision whether you want to play home or away in the first of the two aggregate-scored games. So it's still an advantage, and let's say Albany gets upset, uh, they would host the Arena Bowl. So, I mean, you know, they're definitely going to have to come out strong this weekend, and they're definitely going to have to come out strong against Albany in three weeks or whenever it is. Um, But I like what they have. I do. I I like the group. I think the receiving core is getting better and better each week. I think B.J. Bunn and Jordan Williams, uh, like I kind of mentioned, they're both kind of first-year guys. So at first it kinda of was, you know, getting used to it, getting that game speed of everything. But I really feel like each and each week they're they're taking steps forward, making progress in their games. I feel like Jordan Williams especially has just really improved over these past few weeks. Um and I think that they could be, you know, two valuable guys for this sole offense. Uh Lonnie Outlaws had a really nice season. He had that great catch that wound up being on um the the Sports Center top ten players. Uh that was always cool to see, but um, no, I like what they have. Washa could potentially return. I feel like that's something that's kind of got like lost in the wind, but um, it's kind of been week to week with him. It's never been, oh, he's done. It's week to week. So when you're looking at the playoffs being three or four weeks away, potentially he could return for it as well. So it's all about getting hot at the right time. Um, we've seen that in a lot of different sports where teams can kind of just get hot. Uh, the one that just comes to mind right now is that UConn basketball team with Shabazz Napier, a few years. Napier a few years back um, when they kind of just got hot and made that run in March Madness. But I mean, if you can get hot at the right time, like the Soul kind of have over these past three weeks, they can keep it rolling. Hey, who knows?
1: Yeah, you're right about that. Who knows? And like you said, if this team can get on a roll and figure it out, like you said, it it will be hard for them to get their number one seed because we can't imagine Albany just conti- We can't imagine Albany just to completely fall on their foot, fall on their face because that is another veteran-laden team that knows how to get the job done, and they're going to go against the Columbus team, and they should win that game. But we've seen this season anything is possible. Anything is possible. But I highly doubt that Columbus will win. But, hey, again, we never know. So we'll see. But like you said, if they can get the number two seed, that would be a much better improvement than when we were talking a, a couple – a few weeks ago, uh, uh, Harrison, when we were thinking, oh, my God, you know, the soul could possibly end up as of four to three – and they don't have control of what they want to do in their playoff destiny.
0: Right. I mean, it's all just a testament to, you know, how much things can change each week, um, especially in, you know, smaller league, six teams. Um, a lot can happen. The, it's pretty much been a logjam between two through four and even five, you know, all year. I mean, everybody's still really been in it. Um, Atlantic City is still in the hunt. They has clinched, but they're the only other team besides Albany to have clinched. Baltimore and Washington still could technically both get knocked out. So um, it'll be exciting to see. It gives this weekend's matchup some meaning, which I think is a really good thing because for a second there, um, just in like the sole postgame scrum, the, the general thought was that Atlantic City had been eliminated. And uh, like I've said before, not a mathematician, so I, I just kind of believed it. I was like, oh, wow, Atlantic City's eliminated. That sucks. Um, so yeah, it was kind of thought that that game wouldn't have any meaning, but, um, as Tim and everyone from Marina fan found out, uh, it, it didn't mean Atlantic city was eliminated. Uh, they won the game versus Washington and now this game has meaning. I think that's a positive thing just from the marketing side of it. Um, they're trying to get people to come in, you know, July 4th weekend, all that good stuff. Uh, like we talked about with Warren earlier in the week. Um, so I think it's really good that the game has meaning. I think it'll probably help attract some people into the doors. And uh, I'm looking forward to hopefully a really good game.
1: Yeah, it definitely should be a huge game. That game is the only game uh, this week as the AFL is doing something different with the schedule. So AC and Philly will be this weekend. Then next weekend, those two teams will be on the bye. And then the other two teams, um, uh, the other four teams will play the following next next weekend they will play and then – the twenty-first. That's when everybody else will finish off the. Uh, will finish off the regular season. But like you said, yeah, it should be a fun game. That game definitely has a lot of meaning. Those AC players definitely felt disrespected that they uh that they thought they were eliminating. You know what? Let's talk about that game right now. The Atlantic City Blackjacks, after losing by two to the Albany Empire, they pulled off probably one of the more surprising performances of this week. As they defeated the Valer 70 to 41, like you said, with the W, they keep their playoff hopes alive. Warren Smith, another tremendous performance by the veteran quarterback, 209 passing yards, five TDs, two rushing TDs. It, uh, it was just tremendous performance by him. Antoine Antoine Grant had a had a great game himself, eight receptions for 107 yards and four TDs. The Valor deep the um. Black Jack's defense stepped up big time. Marvin Roth had a couple of interceptions. Roach Jackson, who came back off of um, IR and went back into the Jack linebacker spot, helped out big time. He had an interception. Keyron Jones, he had an interception also and a kick return for a touchdown, if I'm not mistaken. They feasted all day on D.C. Arvell Nelson. Had a not good had didn't have a good game either. Two hundred and forty eight passing yards, four TDs, one Russian TD, and three INTs. Harrison, like I said, this had to be one of the more surprising performances um, of the weekend because I, I we, we 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 thought that you know AC well you thought AC was going to have a chance to uh, win this game. I'm not sure if I picked them or not, but you were feeling AC that they could win this game and look at how they played against Albany you kind of had a feeling like okay i think they figured something out and they're playing they're playing with heart they're playing like they know that their season's on the line and they came out against the Valor and really and really put it really put it on them
0: oh yeah man they uh they came out and they were really flying um like you kind of mentioned
1: Warren had another
0: really positive game uh he played really well in that one and Antoine Grant is a guy that i mean we've kind of touched him talked about and then for a few weeks there he was kind of out of the lineup but man he has really came back and came on strong and rashad still as well so it's been really good to see those young guys stepping up and making plays with warren um but yeah it was it was a really good game for the Blackjacks. 70 points the most points scored this season by any team um but looking at the the valer side of it because i mean for for the blackjack side of it if you want to hear more about that you can go listen to our podcast with Warren Smith that we did on Monday. Uh, shameless plug for that. But looking at the Valor side of it, I mean, this is kind of this is kind of the fear for them. This is kind of the worry: it's, it's which which Washington Valor team are you going to get each week? Are you going to get the high scoring, the high flying, you know, seven touchdown Arvell Nelson, or are you going to get a three interception Arvell Nelson and only forty points? Or like when they played Columbus in that game, and I think they only scored like. 28 points and and got the game-winning touchdown, but kind of should have lost. And there's been a few other games like that. So it's kind of been a question all year of which Washington team are you going to get, which Washington defense are you going to get. We really like the receiving core there, but the defense, I mean, it's kind of showing, you know, you get scored 70 points on like that, and Albany comes back on you like they did a few weeks back. It's kind of showing that that could be a liability for them moving forward. Um, I understand Mm -hmm. that they're the defending champs. But there's a lot of really good football teams in this league, um, so I'm just I'm not fully on the Washington train. I don't think that they're necessarily as dangerous as maybe thought. But I do like the receiving core. I like the offense they have. And when you can score points in this league, you obviously have a shot to win games. So, but yeah, really positive performance from the Blackjacks.
1: It definitely was a it definitely was positive to see because, like I said, they were. They were almost counted out of it. I mean, shoot, they had during the telecast that they, the, they already had watch. They already had AC eliminated during the telecast, and it almost seemed like word got back to him like, hey, uh, they kind of counting us out. So let's go out there and prove to them that we can get the job done. And like you said, you know, Warren has done. I think he's done a tremendous job stepping in for Randy Hipper. But also, like we talked with him. Earlier this week, offensive coordinator Shane Stafford has done a great job, Harrison, of devising the game plan from the short intermediate routes to the wide receiver screens to even the jet sweeps with Lamarck Brown in the in in the in the running game. I think it's just been and even getting Warren Smith out of the pocket on bootlegs in near near the near the end zone. It's been a I think he's called to be honest with you, I think he's called some really good games these last couple of weeks.
0: Oh yeah, no doubt about it. I mean 61 points the week before, 70 points this week. Uh, That's definitely a testament to the offense, the offensive coordinator. And, I mean, he's a a vet in this league. He played in this league for a very long time. He's coached now for a while. He's called other offenses. Um, So that always helps. And he's worked with Warren before, too. So it's not like, you know, Warren kind of had to step in and was unfamiliar. He's familiar with Coach Stafford. They've worked together in Washington um, and even back in Tampa Bay a few years back when Warren went out there at the end of the season. So, just kind of having that familiarity, it definitely helps. It's not the same as Clint Dalzell and Dan Waterbaugh's familiarity. You know, it's not the same as Nick Davila and Kevin Guy's. But they definitely have a good chemistry. They definitely have a good rapport. It looks like they're in sync. And, I mean, the offense has really been rolling these past few weeks. So, they got a big test this weekend, though, the Black Sox They have a huge test this weekend. Uh, another do or die, another must win. So, we'll see how they come out.
1: For sure, like you said, big test for the Blackjacks, and if they can pull, and if they can pull off this week, if they can pull off another <laughs> tremendous, if they can pull off another upset and a victory, then I don't think you want to be a team trying to face them in the playoffs. But hey, we'll see how it all uh, plays out on. Uh, I think the game's on Saturday, if I'm not mistaken. We'll see how that plays out Saturday on ESPN uh, three. All right. So we got through the first two games. This is the High Motion Podcast here on Block Talk Radio. I'm Joe Van Alford, joined here by none other than the AFL Insider himself, Harrison Brown. And let's talk about the last game from this past weekend, which was just—it depends on what side of the ledger you was on. If you were a Columbus fan, you were not happy with the performance. But if you were a Baltimore fan, you were delighted with the performance as Baltimore came out with a with an impressive victory on both sides of the ball, fifty to twelve. It looked like Columbus had chances to come back early in that game to kind of make it a ball game, but just in, but just ridiculous and just inexcusable turnovers from Grant Russell as he had four interceptions. I believe. Let me see. Yes, he had four interceptions, two TDs, 197 uh, yards. Fabian Garum pretty much only brought long bright spot for him on offense. Uh, four receptions for 59 yards in the TD. But Columbus, Shane Boyd. Another Shane boy type day for him, 152 yards, two TDs. Um, jo- Joe Hills, give him two more TDs uh, to continue his streak of uh, games, of, games, of game score with a touchdown. But it was on the defensive side that was impressive. Nice Martin, he had an interception and returned it for a touchdown. Josh Victorian had two interceptions, three pass breakups, three total tackles. I think he was named defensive player of the week as well in the league. And Joe Powell, he had an interception and seven total, total tackles and two pass breakups. Just a dominating performance from the Baltimore Brigade, Harrison, which they needed that after the after the way they had lost um after the way they had lost to uh to the Valor not too long ago.
0: Yeah, this was I mean, this was a bad game for sure. Columbus played <laughs> yeah, it really, was bad. <laughs> really, really bad. Yeah, this is an ugly game. I mean, they played really, really bad. Twelve points in arena football. Uh whoosh, that's uh like like almost as bad as Orlando this weekend in the NAL, zero points. Uh, right. Really just low-scoring games for two markets who just don't deserve that. I mean, Orlando and Columbus, great arena football markets, you know, two of the best arena football markets ever, just you know, over history, and uh, disappointing to see them like that, but hey, I mean, trust the process. Uh, for them, Grant Russell really had his worst game of the season, which you definitely don't love to see, but I don't think it's time to just give up on him. I don't think it's time to pack the ships in and, and call it off for Grant Russell. Um, I think he's had a pretty positive year. It's tough. Like like we kind of mentioned, they're they're pretty much all rookies. I mean, the whole offensive lineup is mostly rookies, so you're not going to exactly have a bunch of success with that when you're playing against veteran-filled teams like Baltimore with Joe Powell, Josh Victorian, Dexter Jackson, Justin Lawrence, that group. I mean, they have a very good group there. Um it's just, I mean, Demo talked about it kind of last week. You know, the veterans weren't exactly buying in there. I saw Terrence Taylor's on IR now. That's another huge veteran for them that goes down. It just hasn't been a good return for Columbus. It's It's been good to have that market back in the league. But on the field, it just really, really has not clicked this year. And, I mean, it's kind of, you know, it's kind of what everyone started to expect as soon as we kind of saw this team. It's a bunch of rookies. There's a lot of potential in the team. I think there's, you know, a few guys who will be good players from this Columbus Destroyers team in this league. I think if Fabian Guerra hangs around in this league, if he doesn't move up, he'll be a good AFL receiver. Grant Russell has a full season of experience now under his belt. That is so valuable in arena football. Like Warren kind of talked about, you know, there's not a whole bunch of guys who, you know, have played this game for a long time. So when you're a quarterback with a bunch mm-hmm. of experience in the arena football league, it's very, very valuable. This is a, a niche sport. It's different from being an outdoor quarterback, as Grant Russell has learned this year during his first season. So to have that first season, he's made a lot of good throws this year. This game, it just it just didn't go their way. Baltimore has a very stingy defense. Baltimore matches up really well with Columbus. I mean, they get pressure every time Indeed. they play them. Their secondary is locked down. It just that was a tough game for Columbus. I mean, next week they have a tough game versus Albany, and the week after that, I'm sure they have a tough game too because. All five teams are veteran-filled teams. They're more experienced than them. And they're all, you know, in that playoff hunt. Columbus is officially eliminated. I don't want to say that they folded up, and it's kind of like I talked about on last week's show, all the, you know, football and all that. Like, it's Mm -hmm. hard to play when you're eliminated, man. It is. got to really just dig in and find a second gear of motivation. Like, I mean, besides stats and besides film. The game doesn't have any impact on anything. Just, you know, kind of being honest with it. You're playing for pride. you got to find that second gear, right. and they definitely didn't find that second gear. They've got two more opportunities to come out and prove something. Um, I've heard all week on different variations of podcasts and all that, talks of Matt Salk's job. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm not, you know, I don't know. I'm not going to comment on it. I don't know what's going to happen with him. But, I mean, when you're putting up 12 points as the offensive coordinator, that, that can't happen. As the play caller, that can't happen if you're the head coach of the team. Um, they talked about it on the broadcast too. Like, I mean, at some point you're not a rookie anymore, and that kind of is true for Grant Russell as well. Like, exactly, you know, you're 10 games in, whatever. It's you're not a rookie anymore. Like, it's go time. You guys are trying to put something together. You're trying to build a program. Can't really have games like that. Um, Liam Nadler came in. He's a guy that we both like. You interviewed him on the TSL podcast a few years back. You guys can scroll back in here and find that interview when he came out of college with Joe Vaughn. We both like him, but he didn't exactly come out and shine. One for three with seven yards. He had problems with the snap on an important, uh, I think, fourth down. So, yeah, it was a disaster for Columbus. Baltimore played pretty good. Um, It looks like they'll be in the playoffs. They have, uh, I think, Atlantic City next week. So, we'll see, man. Uh, Columbus, though, really nasty game.
1: Yeah, it was definitely a nasty game and it almost reminded us of how Columbus played to start the season. It was almost like they reverted back to their old ways instead of instead of building off their recent performances and most recently a performance against the Philadelphia Soul where they had a chance to win. It just kinda just went all backwards and it's tough to see because like you said, you know, they do have talent, but something isn't clicking, something isn't clicking there for them. And, and, and Grant Russell, for example, next season, I think he's going to next season. I think he's going to be a much better quarterback, but even so, you can't have the turnovers that he had. Like you just can't like, and I don't know if that's him not seeing things or trying to make a play or him or offensive wise, it's not there. Cause I feel like Columbus tries to, you know, I think Columbus keeps him in the pocket a little bit too long, in my opinion. Or maybe, you know, the receivers aren't getting open. I just think maybe there needs to be a change. Maybe, you know, you keep Salk as the head coach, but maybe you get him an offensive coordinator for that young quarterback. Because we see, I think, for, and this call me crazy, but I think what Stafford is doing for a dual-threat quarterback and Warren Smith, I think, I think Russell needs the same thing, get the ball out quickly, allow him to use his mobility and make plays and just take what the defense is giving him.
0: Yeah, I would agree with that. I mean, it's always a good thing to get the ball out of your hand quickly. And when you have that ability to be able to rush, that's definitely a positive. Um, Like you mentioned, I think he definitely will improve next year. I think he's improved throughout this year. I mean, he took a step back this week for sure. But, I mean, one step back isn't isn't you know a whole bunch of step backs. It was a bad game. I mean, people have bad games, you know uh every quarterback ever has had a bad game. um I'm sure if he keeps playing in this league, if he plays in this league for a long time, he'll have more bad games, but he'll have you know a bunch of positives as well. um I think overall throughout the year he's proven that he's definitely going to be a guy who can play in this league, who can hang around in this league. um I would expect him to be back on Columbus as well so next year I would expect him to be back in that quarterback starting job or in a competition again, you know, like uh, I would definitely expect him to be a part of the destroyer's franchise moving forward. Like, like I said, I I think they have a few pieces there, man. I don't think it's, you know, been a lost season. I don't think that it's like, all right, we have to rebuild the entire roster. I think they definitely have gained a few pieces that they can move forward with. It'll be interesting to see how the veterans play out with everyone being on a one-year deal uh, I'm not sure exactly how many of them will come back and all that, but, hey, that's all speculation, you know. Like, inside their locker room could be totally different than what everyone outside of their locker room, like us and anybody else who's talking about it, you know. saying it, right. it could be a, a completely different vibe. They could have sit down and have a team meeting. They could have a great practice. They could win this next game. Like, a whole bunch of things can happen. I mean, it's a football mm-hmm. team. It's a family and now I'm sure there's no ill will and all that, but when you're losing, definitely, I mean, fingers just naturally start to get pointed like every which direction. I mean, it, it, it happens. So, Hey, it's been an unfortunate year for them. They're an expansion team though. And they went with all rookies in a veteran filled league. I mean, it, it wasn't even week one. It wasn't like, Oh man, Columbus looks like an arena bowl contender. It was like, Columbus looks young, but Hey, they definitely gained a few prospects from it and some valuable experience.
1: Yeah, it definitely will be, and, and like you said, we'll see how things play out for the rest of the season and into the offseason, because like you brought up, and I think a lot of people will forget this, everybody's on a one-year deal, so free agency could be wild, and hopefully, you know, they're able to retain their young guys, but also, you know, retain their veterans as well and, and build on something. Next season, you hope, next season, you you, you, you think the Destroyer should be in the playoff push, without question, with a, with a second-year Grant Russell and that offense and that defense which is that which has pieces you would think they would be in a playoff push but hey we'll, we'll see uh what we'll see what happens and what transpires uh, uh like I said for the rest of this year and then into the off season and see how it all uh develops here but we got a couple more yeah, topics here oh go ahead it's also like kind of not that hard to get back into the
0: playoff push like right now four teams make it out of six next year let's say they have eight teams They're either going to let everyone in the playoffs or six teams in the playoffs or maybe before, but I mean, it's still not a huge climb. You just got to get past a few teams, put a few pieces back together. And I mean, their players aren't the only people who are on one-year deals. Every single team's players are on one-year deals and there's going to be a whole new batch of college players, a whole new batch of division two, division one, division three, all that to come out of college this year that are ready to play football, looking for jobs. So, I mean, there's ways to get better. You can get better quickly in this league. You can go from the Tampa Bay Storm in 2016 were, like, one of the worst teams in the league. I think they won, like, two or three games. The next year they were in the arena bowl with, like, a winning record and Joe Hills. Like, a lot of things can change in this league. It, it can be a right. quick turnaround. So, I don't think all hope is lost for the Columbus fans. I think they could, you know see a playoff run sooner rather than later. Like I mean, there's ways to get better in this league if you're just aggressive about it and go out and find quality players and I think they'll do that.
1: For sure, for sure. We uh we'll like I said we'll definitely uh see what happens here. this is the high motion podcast here on Block Talk Radio, Apple Podcast and Spotify. We got a couple more Uh, A few more topics for you guys before we wrap up and let you all enjoy the rest of the uh, 4th of July holiday. But uh, let's talk about the award races, because that's something that me and Harrison have been talking about through text messages a lot, saying, okay, what's going to happen to these? You know, certain a couple of them look locked up. Last week we talked about Quentin Sims, an offensive uh, offensive player of the year race, and it seemed like he has kind of etched his name into that competition. But we got off to talk about defensive player of the year and rookie of the year, Harrison, and you know what? Let's start talk. Let's let's start off with defensive player of the year because right now it looks like it's a two-person race with possibly Josh Victorian and and Varma Sony and Keontae Northington. They're in they're they're in the hunt, but it seems like it's a two-person race between the likes of Joe Powell and James Romaine, and both of those guys have just been downright just tremendous uh, this season. Uh, James Romaine forty-six and a half. Uh, total tackle, seven, I, seven INTs, seven int three return for TDs, but Joe powell has been pretty good himself. Forty total tackle, six ints, and I thought and I also think he has a couple of uh, kickoff returns for touchdowns, but they don't count towards defense. But that being said, this is going to be a close race to the to the to the end. I feel like.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, they're the first two all-Arena defensive backs this year on the first team on the Arena. In my opinion, that should be locked down pretty much already at this point. Uh, Roe has not bought one right now. Roe has three touchdowns, and Roe plays the middle. So if I'm picking for the award, I'm, I'm going with Romain on that one. Um, he's had a really exceptional year. He's kind of proven that, you know, he's still got it. The age thing, he's over the age of 30 now. It doesn't seem to be bothering him at all. He still has all of his speed. He's still out there making plays. He's been very good tackling this year, um, as always. And right now he's got seven interceptions for three touchdowns. I mean, those are good numbers in this league. The Philadelphia Soul is an all-time franchise leader now. Uh, he got that record this year. But for Paul, man, I really I I've continued to like his game, and uh, I think he should be back in an NFL camp this year. I really do. Um, he played very very well in the AAF uh, this winter. He mm-hmm. had some interceptions, some real good tackles with the Birmingham Iron. They were in a position to make the playoffs in that league. Uh, rest in peace, AAF, but he's played very, very yeah. well, in his return to the AFL as well. Um, he, he, A few years back, when he first joined the league, after he came out from the Lehigh Valley Steelhawks and the PIFL and all that, he played, I mean, lights mm-hmm. out with the Cleveland Gladiators. He burst onto the scene. It seemed like every single time he was on the field, it was a threat that he could get an interception. I mean, he was exceptional. And then the Eagles brought him in for minicamp, and the Giants signed him. And then a few years ago, I'm not sure which year, but he was with the Buffalo Bills in camp. So he's a guy who has that kind of NFL pedigree from the arena football league, from playing indoor football. He's kind of like right. you kind of touched on with demo Warren. He's one of those guys that has used it as a stepping stone to get to the NFL and six interceptions this year. In my opinion, this has been his best arena football league season. Um, I think Agreed. he's gotten stronger over the years. I think, like, he must have really just dedicated himself in the weight room one off season, or during his time with the NFL. He must have just been in that weight room because, I mean, the way he's hitting people, he's always had some hit stick behind him. But, man, like, I mean, he's playing exceptional. I feel like every single part of his game has elevated over time. I think just being able to work with some of the coaches he's been able to work with. They have a good group down there in Baltimore with Omar Smith being a veteran and having played defensive back in this league forever. And then in the NFL as well, I believe he worked with Ev Reed at some point as a defensive uh, backs coach, and he's worked with other guys, like with the Eagles and all that. So, man, I feel like his game is elevated and elevated and elevated. So even though I'm going with Roe for Defensive Player of the Year, I'm going with Joe Powell for needs to be on someone's 90-man NFL camp roster for
1: sure. Oh, definitely. I I think he will be on somebody's camp. It would be a travesty if he wasn't just because, like you said, his game has improved. And that's what you want to see as well. You want to see guys continue to prove, not so much flatline. See if they get better. And Joe Powell, he just looks like he looks like the equivalent of what we say about Malachi Jones is that he just looks a step ahead of everybody else. Like he just looks like he's not supposed to be here anymore. And that's not a and that's not a and that's not a bad thing about the AFL. Is just saying this guy's just playing on another level. And every time the ball's in the air, it has a chance to get. You know, picked off and taken back to the house, almost like with you know James Romaine. Every time Romaine gets his hand on his ball, on the ball, it could go back uh, for the distance. And you know, I would agree with you as well. I think, like you said, because Romaine plays the middleman as well. I think you got to give him, you got to give him the nod off defensive player of to year. But if Powell can continue to rack up these interceptions, he, you know, could he could he could make it he could make it a he could make it a tight a tight contest down the. Uh, Down the stretch. And I think, did you mention that Powell also worked out for the uh, AAF? I mean, not the AAF, the XFL. He also had a work, he also had one of those showcases as well, as you pointed out um, on Twitter, I think last week, right? Like right after their game, he was already going to, I think, the one in Tampa, if I'm not mistaken. So he was already Mm -hmm. shooting down to Tampa to compete in the XFL. And if he gets in, there's no reason why he shouldn't get in the XFL at all, because I think he's more than enough prepared not so much as a cornerback, but, like, you like you agree with me in the past that he's he's definitely safety material. Like, he's a safety. And I think that's his best shot, in my opinion, to make a roster in the NFL or at the XFL.
0: Yeah, th- this year for him kind of reminds me of 2015 James Romain because in 2015, the entire Philadelphia Soul organization was like, James Romain should be in the NFL. The Eagles were kind of looking at him, and it was kind of like, like, pull the trigger. Like, bring this guy to camp. He's a step ahead of everyone. He's a difference maker in this league. He has a different type of speed. He Rowe could have played the slot corner position really, really well. I feel like he should have got
1: Agreed. an opportunity
0: in someone's Agreed. training camp when he was first in this league. But, hey, you know what? Unfortunately, that didn't happen. But, I mean, he's really solidified himself in this league. But for Powell, um, it's just, it kind of just reminds me of that year for him. It's, he's played in this league for a few years. He's at that part where he's got the knowledge of the game. He's seen a lot of different variations of offenses. He's played in some big-time games, and, I mean, it's just kind of all kind of clicking for him. You know, it looks like he's kind of in that rhythm. Like you said, Powell looks a step ahead of everyone this year. He looks just like a difference maker. So, yeah, those two guys are definitely my first two picks for the All Arena. I'm going to for Defensive Player of the Year because I think the way he's played the middle this year, has just been another example of why he's one of the greatest of all time. Um, he's he's just a lot of fun to watch. I mean, it's just – it's, it's locked down with him. And Malachi like got him once or twice this weekend, but he still had a pretty good game. He got that interception. That was a great interception. And he – you know, they contained Quentin Sim, And for the most part, they, they kept Albany pretty much under wraps. So Romaine has been a difference maker this season. He's my defensive player of the year. Joe Powell has been a difference maker as well. Uh, he's my guy. That if any NFL scouts are listening, definitely go ahead on YouTube and look up that uh, that Joe Bell highlight Dave.
1: Yeah, for sure. So hey, we'll see. But I agree with you. I like I like your picks for a defensive player of the year. And obviously, like you said, both of those guys will be on all will be first team All Arena without no without no question. But we also got to talk about the rookie of the year award, which you know it seemed like it was gonna be Desmond Epps because he broke out in his first game, but he's kind of been a little quiet. But that's more so just the product of the offense and the other wide receivers he has other wide receivers he had around him. And then we thought it could be Fabian Guerra who has had a solid season so far with fifty seven receptions for seven hundred and fifteen yards, fifteen touchdowns and three touchdowns and three touchdowns for a return. But there are other guys that have entered the race. Antoine Grant has stepped up over the week, BJ Bunn, Keontae Northington, I'm gonna throw him in there as well for rookie of the year. Harrison, who do you like for rookie of the year right now?
0: If I had to if I had to guess who it will be, I'm gonna say Fabian Guerra. I think he's been the most right. impactful rookie. I think he's had the most impact on his team, but all those guys you just named are gonna be great for the arena football league moving forward. Even if they leave and you know do all that. I mean, it, it's been really fun to watch these young guys go out there and play really well this year. And I think there's more, even so the guys we haven't named. Um I talked to Neil Timmons last week who's a veteran. And he kind of mentioned that, that it's been a lot of development this year around the league. Um, some of the veterans have moved on that we've been known and accustomed to from, you know, teams of the past that maybe live in different parts of the country or just, you know, have gotten older, decided to hang them up. I feel like this year there's been an influx of young talent. I feel like maybe in the beginning of the year they were kind of getting used to the game. Maybe that's kind of why scoring was so down in addition to the timing rules. Obviously, the timing definitely was a huge, huge factor in that, but I think the young guys were kind of, you know, still getting their ground, too. That's why we maybe saw some games in the 20s. But I feel like over the course of this year, a lot of young guys have gotten better. But Fabian Garrett is the one who stands out to me as having just really burst onto the scene and became a a dangerous, dangerous playmaker. Um, He has a a great amount of speed. He's done really well with their motions and stuff. And he's been dynamic on the kick returns, too. Desmond Epps has played very well as well. You can pretty much say all the same things I just said about Fabian Guerra, the exact same thing for Desmond Epps. Um, he's done really well on the returns. He's a, a quicker, faster playmaker for them. He's kind of had to deal with them having five really, really good receivers. But that's not a bad thing at all. Listen, I mean, rookie of the year is a nice award and all, but, I mean, you're trying to play for longevity. What I mean, Des is going to learn from guys like Reggie Gray, Doug McNeil, and the group that they have there. It's invaluable. So, even though maybe he hasn't gotten uh, all the targets he would have gotten, you know, if they weren't there, it's definitely been good for him. Um, you talked about B.J. Bunn, same thing. Really have liked his game. Antoine Grant is a guy I'm really, really fond of. I think he's going to have a very, very good arena football career. I think he's a dangerous player. I think he's got a little bit of that extra height to him as well, so you can put him outside on the wall or, or to the boundary. Um and, yeah, Keontae Northington as well. I like every single name that you listed, and I think there's probably even more. But if I had to pick just one, I would go Fabian Garrow.
1: Yeah, I'm sitting here thinking of other names that I possibly missed. Um, Grant Russell is another name. Uh, Shoshek, you know, he was a guy that kind of had his moments this season. Tommy uh, uh, Stevens had his moments this season with the Destroyers. Um, who else? Who else? Who else? I'm trying to think. I'm trying to think. Um Rashad Still, Brad another Muhammad guy. Doing good in the yeah, Brad Muhammad. Yep, Muhammad, uh Travis Homer. hmm He's been another guy. Um Rashad Still, who you told me about, he's kind of another guy that's been that has stepped up uh for the black jacks. Lyndon Trail, another guy who we think is gonna have a nice you know, career in the AFL if he sticks with it. There's like you said, there's a lot of young talent in this league, and I don't think we've, I don't think we've con- I don't think we've, you know, I don't think, I don't think we've said that in a minute or in a while that you know there's a lot of young guys because like you said, we're used to just the same old, you know, not the same old, but used to the same veteran guys. You know, looking at you know the Joe Hill, the Davila, the the, the, the more the Demos, the Rada the SKS, the Tiger Jones you know, et cetera, et cetera, but like you said, there's a nice influx of young talent, and who knows, Harrison, we could be getting some more influx of young talent from the IFL as well. We just don't know.
0: Right, and I'll be honest with you, two of my favorite rookies right now are two guys who just saw the field for the first time this past week, and that's Gerard Evans, quarterback for the Washington Valor, who played at Virginia Tech, (laughs) and was a very distinguished ACC quarterback. Joe Vaughn can tell you I'm on the dried Evans bandwagon. And then Baltimore, you just drive down whatever road that is to get to Baltimore. Shane Morris, left-handed quarterback. I mean, obviously, I'm I'm with that. I was a left-handed quarterback myself. But he played at Michigan and, you know, had some success there, was in the quarterback battles, then transferred to, uh, I want to say, Central Michigan, uh, maybe Western Michigan. I forget which Michigan. Yeah, Central Michigan. but And he played really well there. He had a good senior season there. And he's he's got good arm strength, and I like what he's displayed um, in this win against Columbus. He came in and threw a touchdown. So, yeah, I mean, I like those two guys as well. Those are two really good young quarterbacks. I think we've seen Grant Russell, and that's why everyone's talked about him and liked him so much. But I think those two could have just as bright a future in this league. And, I mean, as he keeps expanding, I hope that they're the guys who maybe get the opportunity to be the starting quarterbacks.
1: I totally, totally, totally agree. I totally agree with you. And hey, I think that's the great thing about this league. And what Warren and Demo have expressed to us over the last over their over their last two uh, conversations is that you know the league has a bright future and things are turning in the right direction. And if that's the case, then I think we're going to see more young guys get a chance to make a name for themselves and build a brand. And that's and that's a beautiful and that's a beautiful, beautiful thing uh, to think about. All right, we got. One more thing to talk about, and that is Week 11. Week 11 is only one game this weekend. One game in town, well, not here in Philly, but in A.C., the battle for the expressway, the battle of the expressway, down at Boardwalk Hall. It's going down. Football down at the shore in the playoff atmosphere game. The Black Jacks' playoff hopes are on the line. The soul are looking to kind of put put the Black Jacks to rest. And also increase their chances of possibly getting the number one seed, but but solidifying their spot, the number two seed is going down. Like I said, Saturday night, ESPN 3, Soul, Blackjack, Harrison. Who do you got and why? First of all, good
0: game. Uh, I'm glad it has meaning, like I touched on earlier. Who do I got? Last week, I picked the soul over Albany because the soul had, you know, had something to really play for in that game. They were trying to get clinched. They didn't want to leave this opening for Atlantic City, and they didn't. They came out and played really, really strong. They were firing on all cylinders. And it's not to say that Albany necessarily came out lackadaisical because Albany was actually in the lead at halftime, but it just felt like the soul had that extra oomph, that extra motivation, that extra, man, we need this. I feel like the uh, the script has kind of flipped to Atlantic City now. They kind of need it. It's a, a must win, do or die. If they lose this game, they're out of the playoffs season over. For that reason, I'm going to go Atlantic City. I think they're going to come out firing. I think they need this game. Earlier in the season in week one, they got out to a 20-7 to lead on the Soul. Obviously, the Soul came back and then absolutely, I mean, blew them out. Like, 54-29 doesn't even do that game justice. The Soul dominated that game, but I, I just think Atlantic City needs this one. I think If they want that number one seed, they're going to come out playing. They're not going to hold anything back. They're going to be firing, but, I mean, it's going to be tough for them to win the number one seed anyway. I'm sure none of them want to hear that. They don't care at all. They're going to go out and do their job. Like, they're trying to get this W, clinch this number two seed. Washington and Baltimore are on them as well. But, I mean, the one seed is kind of out of reach anyway, and I just think Atlantic City is going to come out swinging. So, for that reason, I'm going to pick the Blackjacks, but I'm hoping it's going to be a really good game. I'm hoping it comes kind of down to the wire. So I'm, I'm hoping it's an entertaining game for the Bulldog Hall crowd.
1: I like what you, I like where you're going. I like where you're going with this, and I'm going to ride with you as well. I'm going to Blackjacks too. I just like the way they're playing. I like the I like how they're playing on both sides of the ball, which I think is very key going on against a soul team who's who's starting to who's starting to who's who's starting to you know find themselves and, and getting things clicking on their both on, when it comes to them when it's on both sides of the ball. I think Warren Smith. I think he's playing. I think he's playing fantastic. He's not turning over the ball really, which is huge, um, especially going against the Soul team. That's going to be huge if he doesn't turn over the ball. Then they got a chance. I like, like you said, I like the way that their wide receivers are playing. Um, they played them tough in the first week of the season. Not so much the not so much the last time they played, but that was because of injury. Uh, Randy Hippert was on the. Was, on, was uh, did not participate in practice. That the injury report just came out, so that leads me to believe Warren will be back under center. And I just like how he's, I just like how he's throwing the ball right now, and the team is feeding off of that energy. So I'm right, I'm right with AC as well. I think it's gonna be a close game. Whoever has the ball last, and whoever not even whoever the ball that whoever scores last will have it. Whoever has that ball with four minutes left in the in the fourth quarter will win that game. So, that being said, I'm going AC. I think it's going to be a close one, though. So, yeah, I mean, got our I, picks
0: up. I like the matchup. I, I like mm-hmm. the matchup. I think Philly could win as well. Um, but, yeah, like you said, I think Atlantic City just kind of has that little bit of extra oomph for this one. I, I think, you know, they really need this game. And uh, I'm, I'm just hoping – I hope it's a really good crowd. Uh, kind of off topic a little bit. But Philly last week had a great crowd. They had 10,000-plus. They gave out pretty much tickets to everyone 14 and under, it was good to just have a crowd that was into the game, you know, the oohs and the ahs on the deep throws, the the crowds, you know, going crazy for the touchdowns, and even though Atlantic City hasn't been packed at all this year, the crowd there has been into the game. It's a smaller arena, just in general, and it's got the rounded ceiling, so it gets loud in there. It feels intimate. Um, I never got to go to Spokane, but I I guess without having been there, I would say it reminds me of Spokane because it's that smaller, intimate feel, um so I hope it's a good crowd. I hope there's a lot of people for July fourth weekend. I hope everyone comes out to see this kind of new rivalry game between Philly and Atlantic City and I hope it's loud. I hope it's rocking.
1: It should be, it should be. Like you said, fourth of July the week fourth of July weekend, everybody's gonna be on the shore. It should be nice well. Then why not come out and catch a game and if you can't catch it and if you can't catch the game, you can also watch it on ESPN three on the ESPN app. And before we wrap up, we gotta give our DraftKings picks Usually, when we have a full slate of games, full weekend slate of games, we kind of give you just guys just picks that you should try to do. But this week, we're going to do something different. We're going to do our captain selection since there's only one choice of contest. It's a showdown, uh, which is a showdown format format this week in, uh, on DraftKings. But that means we're going to tell people who their captain should be. And if you remember, when you play DraftKings, whatever points your captain brings, that's multiplied by one and a half. So that's usually your make or break in DraftKings with the AFL this season. And if you pick your right captain, you've got a chance. But if not, it could possibly uh, sink you uh, in your in your contest. So, Harrison, who should people pick for their captain choice?
0: Well, I think quarterback is pretty much a safe pick for captain. Uh, I'm Agreed. not exactly sure, but I think that's pretty safe. But if I was kind of going with just the out-there pick of someone who I think could put up maybe the best, strongest performance of the game, I think Darius Prince will play really well in this game, I think. That he's going to be able to get open at different points throughout this game. They've liked taking deep shots with him when anyone presses on him. They love his athleticism and at Philly. He's kind of became the number one this year. It's been through and through. Darius Prince is the number one receiver. Um, kind of how, you know, Tiger Jones used to get his targets and, and Ryan McDaniel and Darius Reynolds over these past few years. Now it's Prince full on with Wassa on IR and Darius Reynolds on defense. So, I mean, it's kind of crazy to think that. <laughs> You know, some weeks this season, Aaron Washa, Darius Prince, and Darius Reynolds was the receiving core, and now it's Darius Prince, BJ Bunn, and Jordan Williams, and then Lonnie Outlaw as well. On um, both of those cores, has been very valuable, but uh, the sole receiving core has definitely went through some transitions this year, but it's made it so that Darius Prince is their number one guy. He's the guy that, you know, if there's a situation where fourth down or something like that, and, you know, they need to get the ball out of their hand, you're looking Prince's way, so. I think he could have a really big game against the Black Jacks, and that would be my captain this week.
1: You wouldn't be wrong with going Darius Prince. Darius Prince right now is the fourth. Uh, right now, we were picking him on DraftKings. He would be the fourth uh, highest uh, highest-priced player right now. He is worth $12,300. Uh, but you wouldn't, like I said, you can't go wrong uh, with Prince just with how he's played over the last uh, three games. Um, last week, obviously, he had a 34-point point 34 point one point game and last couple of weeks other than that 14.9 18 and a half and 30 so he's been up and down but on average he's averaging about 27 a game fantasy point so that's not bad um who would i go with if you want to be bold and if you want to ride the hot hand i would say go with warren smith now warren smith is going to cost you a high price he's the highest here's the thing warren smith is the highest paid player right now in DraftKings, he's the highest price right now, wow. $14,400. Over Dan Rotterball, who's at 13800 And Smith has played, played considerably well. Last two games, he's av- he's given you over 40 points, 40 fantasy points this season. I mean, that is ridiculous in his last two contests. And let's be real, it's, it, and it's not against, you know, the Columbus Destroyers in back-to-back weeks. It's against an Albany Empire team and a Washington Baylor team. Uh, who's you know both teams who who are good offensively defensively have some pieces but they're missing some things but still impressive imp- performances um and still and and just still doing having impressive performances uh from smith so if you want to go with smith going with the high pricing and just filling your roster out with just you know with with low cost players definitely definitely consider definitely consider going warren smith if you want to uh, go that route for DraftKings. So Warren Smith and Darius Prince is our picks for DraftKings for our captains. Um, I'm gonna, you know what? I'm gonna play both of those in a separate league and separate contest this week and see how it plays out and let you know which one was the better choice, Prince as captain or Warren Smith as captain. So then we can come with a consensus here. But um, that's gonna wrap up this edition of the uh of the high of the high motion podcast. Really appreciate everyone taking some time out of their busy fourth of July weekend to check us out uh here on Blog Talk Radio, Spotify and uh Apple Podcasts. Before we go, Harrison, is there anything people should be on the lookout for you uh coming up?
0: Uh yeah man. Neil Tibbet's article is uh is into the editors. So it should be out uh I don't know, either today or tomorrow. Tim is Canadian. So he shouldn't be celebrating fourth of July anyway. So uh <laughs> Uh, maybe today, I don't know, but uh, soon, you know, Tim is soon. Uh, we'll do another interview on the High Motion Podcast next week with uh, some player or someone, not sure who. And, uh, you know, other than that, going to head down to Atlantic City on Saturday to go watch the uh, the Black Jackson Soul game. Looking forward to it. Like we said, big matchup. Uh, huge playoff implications for Atlantic City. Philly trying to stay in for that number one seat, so both teams have something to play for. Glad about that. And uh, other than that, nah, nothing too crazy, man. What about yourself?
1: Um, on my end, pretty much nothing really crazy, you know, just trying to top the loose ends here on Total Sports Live on uh, just free agency, everything the Sixers have done. Um, Summer League is starting for the Sixers on Friday, so look out for some stuff there. And then, like you said, by the end of the month, we'll uh, have Eagles football starting as well. So pretty much just a little bit, a little bit of everything, as you know, pretty much in the summertime, sports is kind of slow. Nobody's really, you know, doing anything. It's kind of a quiet time, but hey, we'll figure it out. Uh, on totalsportslive.com. That's Harrison. This is Jovan Alford. Make sure, like I said, follow Harrison on Twitter at Harry Brown Russo for all his stuff on arenafan.com as well. Check that out. Follow me on Twitter at Jovan Ten. Um, everyone have a good one. Enjoy the enjoy the holiday. Enjoy the football this weekend, and we will talk to you guys next week to discuss what happened with the Soul and the Black Jacks, and if the Black Jacks can keep their playoff hopes alive.